Oh, hello, hello, welcome to another episode of Dev Party. I am Eric, and over there is Vanya. Hello! This is a podcast where we develop film and then talk about developing film and a few other things. That's basically it. <laughs> this one's a bit of a different episode, I think. What are we doing? Well, I'm agitating right now for the first minute of my C41 stand. C41 stand? Can you do that? You can, I guess, and that's why we're doing it. <laughs> Does it make sense to do it? Probably not. But first, how the hell are you? It's so hard to not talk about what's happening as far as like the coronavirus and how everybody's at home and everybody's scratching their head like, well, how long is this going to last? Um, you know, Marley's school year is basically done doing homeschool and not liking it as much as she thought she would because she misses her friends. She misses interaction with other people besides me. So I get it. <laughs> Makes sense. We've been doing okay. We've been taking the dogs for walks and at least once a week, I'll just like go for a drive. I don't stop anywhere. I just go for a drive. That seems to help just like getting out and like getting on like a empty road and getting some fresh air definitely sure. helps. How have you been? Well, it's been, uh, as we're recording this, a week since Juniper died. On the last day she was alive, uh, a week ago, I took a bunch of photos of her. The plan was to develop them on this episode, and I could talk a little bit about it. But you know what? I'm not there yet. So instead, I'm going to push all of those emotions down, which is really healthy to do. Of course. And then uh, move on and talk about other things. And then, you know, sob in the shower later, like a normal person. <laughs> So I've been doing the same thing, basically. I've been taking long walks. I've been walking five to six miles a day uh, around my neighborhood, really, trying to um, stay a little bit active. That's good. I haven't been doing a lot. I've been watching some 1930s gangster movies, which if anybody knows me, not a surprise. Focusing mostly on James Cagney and Jean Blondel, which is a pretty normal thing for me. I've discovered or kind of rediscovered my love for an actor named Alan Jenkins. He is easily the best second banana ever. His facial expressions are wonderful. He doesn't overplay it. He's not quite a scene stealer, but he he really makes the scene. Mayor from Hell is probably a good movie that he would be in. Uh, I saw one last night, which wasn't great, uh, but it was okay. Jimmy the Gent, but James Cagney's a real dick in it, so it's kind of a rough one. <laughs> so that's what I've been doing. I've been watching old movies and dealing with emotions. But for us right now, we're waiting. And we are waiting because we are doing stand developing. And I'm going to make as few REM jokes as possible. Oh, please. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> You've done stand developing in black and white before, right? I would say technically I did a semi-stand because I know there are people out there that will say that that was not a true stand. Those people get huge eye rolls. So yeah, I have done a semi-stand where I usually just stand for, what was it, like 50 or 60 minutes. And I do one agitation in the middle of it. And that's okay. it. Fair. I've done stand developing quite a bit with Rodanol with mixed results. With 35 millimeter, you have a chance of getting like chemical surge and bromide drag because of the chemicals getting caught in the sprocket holes. So oh, I know I all about that. <laughs> you, you do. So I try not to do it anymore if I, if I can't help it. So yeah. one of the good reasons for stand developing is if you get some film that you don't know what it is. So you get a roll of just some rand, random like Ansco black and white from the 70s. And you go, well, how the hell do I develop this? Well, stand develop it. Something will come out. You'll get some sort of images. I think another great thing is, like, 
say you're having, obviously not now, but say you're having a dinner party and a bunch of people are going to come over and you're like, oh man, I really wanted to develop this color, but there's these people coming over also. Well, I guess you could technically stand develop it and excuse yourself from the table to, to, you know, to dump it out and finish it, I guess. And in between maybe courses. (laughs) Oh, oh, obviously in the, in the middle of of my many, many black tie <laughs> dinner parties, I have found myself just itching to develop color film. And yes, during the third and fourth course, after the servants <laughs> bring out one and take away the plates of the other, is when I really feel the urge to develop color film. And I cannot do it. So, yes, I guess let's move on to uh, the reasons for developing color film and stand and I can think of zero actually I can think of zero reasons and I'm not like bitter that we're doing this episode but <laughs> I'm I'm not 100% sure why we're doing it even though I believe it was my idea it was your idea and this yeah. whole time I'm just like um I didn't come up with this this is no. all you <laughs> no so I heard about it and I looked into it and I realized that and I don't want to get all eye-rolly here but it isn't actually stand developing well stand developing implies that you're diluting the developer yes and you I've seen people do that with c41 but I'm not diluting my color developer for something like this that's silly so what we're doing is a low temp, long time developing. Cinestill kind of advertises this, don't they? They do, actually. When you get your, their little kits, it comes with some uh, instructions, and they have as low as 72 Fahrenheit. Okay. So that, that would be, for normal development, that's about 50 minutes. We are taking a cue from, I believe it was Lomography. They have an article about doing this. And so we are doing it at 68 degrees, which is 20 degrees Celsius, which is the temperature that you develop black and white at, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. So we're doing that, and we are not agitating whatsoever, because that's what most people seem to do with this kind of stand developing. We're kind of seeing if it works, and if it matters, and in my case, uh, I don't use C41. I use ECN2. So no. my thing was, can I do this in ECN2? What I did first was I shot one roll of Fuji Color 200. I shot it at various ISOs from 25 all the way up to 32, I think, 3200 or maybe 1600. I developed one of those rolls already in a normal developing. So just like regular ECN2 instructions. Actually, it came out really well. It's interesting how lenient this film is when you're underexposing it in bright sunlight. I don't know what it's like anywhere else. Yeah, so this was all on the same day in bright sun. It was. It was all on the same day, the same exact scene. I wanted consistency. So I took those same photos again for this role that is now in the stand developing, and I'm going to be able to compare them exactly. This is almost scientific. Since you're doing ECN2, I am doing C41 and doing the same stand development at the same time. Yes. And the same emulsion on a sunny day. Hopefully we'll have similar but different results, obviously, because ECN2, the color is, I would say, saturated. (laughs) I'm I'm interested interested to to see... Yeah, go ahead. You go ahead. Okay. I'm interested to see the color shifts between the two. And then also, like, which one actually works better. So basically, standing in C41 or ECN2, any color development, is basically an alternative process. I mean, it's not necessary, but 
if you get really interesting results that you enjoy, then why not try it? And if you like it, then then do it. I, I would see it no different than Caffeinol fan developing in black and white or, you know, soaking your film rolls in lemonade or whatever. <laughs> I see people explain why they do C41 stand uh, and the reasoning is that they they just can't keep up with the C41 times and the C41 temperatures. It's 102 degrees Fahrenheit for um, C41 and 106 for ECN2. And it's about three and a half minutes for C41 and three minutes for ECN2. Those are those are fast times. Yes, they are. You, you really need to uh, be on the ball. But my advice would be get on the ball. You know, it's weird, though, because I when I develop and the timer goes off, I'm like, oh, gosh, I feel like I should let it sit for like another minute. It just seems so quick. Um, you can and see the results there. But for, for you know, the actual formula, it, it, it is. It, you follow the times, follow the temperatures, follow the instructions to a T, and your film will come out. Mm-hmm. It's just, this is why C41 is made this way. Before C41, there was a process called C22. And that was at, I think, 70 degrees, or maybe it was 68. But with the new improved film, and new in like the 80s, Mm-hmm. Since the 80s, C41, the dye couplers need to be at a certain temperature for the colors to play well together. So what I'm expecting to get from the stand developing is color shifts. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe I'll I'll look at these uh, color shifts from the stand developing. And I'll be oh shit, I really like these, and I'll keep doing them. But I, I it's a long time. I still have 25 minutes to go. So while we're waiting, we've recently gotten a couple of good reviews. Yay! Yeah, read the newest one. The newest one. It's called Favorite Photography Podcast. Okay. All Through Lens is by far my favorite film photography podcast. Eric and Vanya inform their audience in a way that makes us feel like we're just listening to a couple of our friends chat. Sure, there, there might be some explicit language and some great blooper clips. Uh, they are unpretentious, knowledgeable, and so much fun to listen to. Thank you, too, for the podcast and for bringing up so much-needed laughs. Very, very sweet. Thank you so much. It makes me happy because people are listening, and we do we do a lot of research, and we work yeah. really hard to give you guys, you know, decent, <laughs> decent episodes and content. It is really nice to hear that people enjoy it. I mean, I, I definitely enjoy it, but especially right now, there's just... So, such a strange time. It's a little different to be listening to podcasts at home than yeah. just like getting in your car and and going for it when you're, you know, on your daily commute. So, um, the fact that people are still listening is really amazing. Thank you so much. It's awesome. I have another review that I could uh, read. Go ahead. It's the bad one. Why don't, you, why, don't, why don't you read that one? Oh, goodness. I lost it. <laughs> it's gone. Okay, I will read this one. And it's entitled, A Couple of Potty-Mouthed 12-Year-Old Kids. And potty-mouth is hyphenated. And you know what? Props for that. (laughs) I love to listen and learn about film photography. However, Eric and Vanya talk like two 12-year-old kids that just discovered, quote, Mom isn't around and we can cuss. End quote. The constant drop of F-bombs... I'm assuming F-bomb means fun bomb. I think it means funk bomb, and they're just really into Parliament <laughs> Funkadelic. 
are juvenile and unnecessary. This podcast has a lot of potential. Yeah. I mean, it warms my heart. <laughs> Vanya, you yes. have a lot of potential. Thank you. I have a lot of potential, but fails to impress because the host act like two preteens. Wow. I guess I will say that my family is from South America. So there is a lot of foul language in Spanish. (laughs) And I've grown up with that my entire life. Yeah. And it's just part of language. You know, there's nothing potty mouthed about it. It's just another way to describe something. Maybe in Spanish, it just sounds better. Maybe like prettier than in English. Sure. I've grown up with it my whole life. And I I understand where he or she is coming from. If I didn't read that a podcast was explicit and I put it in the car and was like, what the hell's going on? There's like way too Uh, much going on. Oh yeah. Sorry. 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 What the heck is going on? So we have an explicit tag, which means there's going to be some explicit content. Explicit content means swearing. And if swearing bothers you, that's okay. And if, you, then if that means that you don't listen to our podcast, I'm okay with that. I will say it's interesting when we have guests on and they accidentally say a bad word and they're like, oh my gosh, I just, I just said a bad word or whatever. And they're like, oh wait, you can cuss on this. And we're like, yeah, you, you can. And they're just like, oh, okay, like relieved. <laughs> well, look at like, well, look at Brandy, one of the early guests. She's on, she was on a podcast where swearing was completely off the table. You couldn't, you couldn't swear at all. So when she came on ours, she opened herself up like a beautiful bouquet of fuckery and <laughs> really seems so happy because of that. And while this person is unhappy, I think it's more important for us to care about the happy people like Brandy or you, dear listener, if you are happy just listening to us and not really caring if we say fuck once in a while. If you don't say it a lot. With the explicit tag, we can say a lot of really nasty things. Like, we don't, though. We don't get no. really nasty. We don't We don't work blue at all. We <laughs> say nothing. No, we just don't. We're not trying to be disrespectful. No. We're just using not. language in the way that feels the best. <laughs> well, I was raised, I was raised very conservative, uh, politically, socially, and we didn't swear. And the reason we didn't swear uh, was because hell... I believed until about seventh grade that if I would say a swear word, I would burn in hell forever, which is a weird way to grow up. Mm-hmm. I abandoned that thought like around seventh grade. I had some friends that would swear and I was just like, well, this is, this is horrible. These are good people. So if they go to hell for swearing, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Mm-hmm. And so seventh grade me decided that the God that my seventh grade mind believed in wouldn't be so much of a dick to send my friend Chris and my other friend Brandon to hell forever for saying like shit once in a while. It seemed ridiculous. My opinions have have only evolved from there. But yeah, until that point, I wouldn't swear at all. So I guess I can understand um, where this reviewer says that we sound like uh, 12 year olds that just realized that we could cuss because I'm sure there's a little bit of that in me from seventh grade when I was 12-ish or whatever. I'm, I'm sure that there is... Um, I don't know if that ever goes away. I still have weird hang-ups from being a Southern Baptist. Like, for example, when somebody tells me they're Catholic, my first response is, you're not a real Christian. And then I realize, <laughs> no, wait a minute, I don't believe in any of this. This is ridiculous. 
Wow. But that's my first response. Yeah. Even if somebody is like Lutheran, I'm just like, not a real Christian. No, wait a minute. That's, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it sticks with you in ways that you wouldn't think. So I'm assuming that the swearing thing probably sticks with me a little bit, uh, even though I've been professionally swearing for decades now. <laughs> I'm sure there's a little bit of that in me. Yeah, there's a time and a place. I'm not going to obviously go somewhere where it would be inappropriate or, you know. Well, yeah, like at my parents' house, or when I'm on the <laughs> phone with my parents, that I can turn that shit off real quick. <laughs> well, I mean, because I, I don't want to piss off my parents, and I want them to feel comfortable, and they already believe I'm going to be burning in hell forever, so why rub it in? Amazing. <laughs> I guess so. Okay, so we're coming up on the end of our uh, stand developing. Uh, remember, we have not agitated at all since the beginning of Women of Agitation. So let's pour out the dough. And then pour in the water for the stop. I do a stop and rinse. And for ECN2, um, Kodak recommends a sulfuric acid-based stop bath. And uh, I'm really tempted to make one. <laughs> I'm really, really tempted to make one. So I got my blicks in. I am actually going to be blixing for eight minutes and I'm not going to be stand blixing. <laughs> no, that's a thing that people uh, suggest doing. And yeah. When we, what's up with when that? I was research, yeah, when I was researching it, most of them did a stand blix as well. And so yes. Eric and I kind of went <laughs> back and forth debating if this was necessary or not. <laughs> so I found that the tolerances for bleach and Blix fixer when using color are really lenient. They go from, and with, with uh, ECN2 bleach, which is a ferrous cyanide bleach, it goes from 80 degrees to 100 degrees. That's your tolerance. It works the same exact way from 80 degrees to 100 degrees. And that tells me that it will work at lower temperatures, maybe a little differently, but it will still work. So I'm going to be doing it at 68 degrees, and we'll see what happens. Maybe it'll need to be re-bleached. Um, maybe it'll give a slight bleach bypass effect if it doesn't work as well. And then the fixer, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But fixer usually clears really quickly. Uh, it's a new, new batch of fixer that I have. So I think we'll be okay. So no, if you're doing long developing, you don't need to do long fixing or bleaching or blixing or anything like that. From what we know, yes. And even actually in the times table thing that I have here, it says bleach and fix eight minutes, 75 Fahrenheit to 105. Okay, so even, even a lower temp. So if you can do it at 75, you can do it at 68. And it may not give you the exact same results, but you're going to get photos. And that's what we're going for here. Well, yeah, we're going for photos. We, we use the same emulsion, um, different processes, but we are trying to see if there's what the difference is between the two. So let me dump my bleach. And with bleach, like with Blix, you pour it back into the bottle and you can reuse it quite a number of times. What did you shoot um, this film in? I shot it in a, oh, a Ricoh KR10. My 35 go-to has been Exacta for a while now. 
Oh, that's interesting because that's what I shot this roll with. You talked about shooting the exacta before. Are you just back for more punishment or, or yes. how do you feel about it now? Well, I just love the camera. It's just a beautiful camera. I really yeah. like to shoot with it. I just need to shoot with it more. <laughs> yeah. Do you though? <laughs> so right now I am fixing and uh, with ECN2, I use Ilford Rapid Fix, and I found that it works fine. With my kits, I don't send you a fixer. You have to provide your own, which is one of the reasons why they're so cheap. And whatever you're using to fix black and white will work with color, from what I've seen. I've not seen anything uh, have a mismatch or anything like that. And for this, it's a five-minute fix, though I might do six minutes here. But I don't know, I'll do five. Keep everything as normal as possible. I'm gonna wash one more time. Okay. And then I can pull out my negatives. Okay. I like shooting uh, Fuji. I have a ton of Fuji 100 that I got, like a couple bricks of it. I, don't, I can't remember where, but I got a good deal. They're all yeah. 12 exposures. <laughs> I had like okay. 50 rolls of it. And I gave you a brick actually. And I really love Fuji. It's a really good color. And the 12 exposure rolls are fun when you just want to test a camera or test something different. I don't know. It's it's good stuff. I, I like, I enjoy shooting with it. What about you? I, yeah, I'm a big fan of Fuji Color in ECN2. I'm, I guess, impressed with it in C41, but I really think it comes alive in ECN2. Mm-hmm. Most folks who know me know that I'm a pretty big fan of Veracolor 3, Kodak's film from the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I love it in ECN2. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fuji color kind of really comes close to rivaling it. And it's still available for now. Are you scared that it's not going to be at some point? So I guess I'm a little scared of it going away forever. And there's even like rumors and, well, not really rumors, probably speculation that they aren't that, that fuji isn't producing any film at all at this point that everything is new old stock mm-hmm. i used to think along those lines too but i think enough time has passed that I, I think they're still producing or at least they they were somewhat recently still producing so i think we're okay i think we're safe for now so where are you at this in the process here what are you doing i am wiping my negatives so you pulled your negatives out yeah all right what do you got I have images. How'd they look? They look so good. (laughs) I mean, no one can really tell, obviously, until I scan them in. Why don't we check with future Vanya and see what she thinks of them? Let's do that. Hi, future Vanya here. And I had finished scanning all of my negatives. Uh, So I scanned these in as Fuji Rila even though they were Fuji 200, whatever that is (laughs) exactly, I'm not sure. (laughs) So these are all stand development C41. Okay, so I'm looking at my pictures and so far my exposure is pretty decent. So good job, Vanya. The images have a bunch of ranges of blue in the sky. Some of them definitely have a little bit more magenta than others. Some are a little bit more yellow. I do notice that some of the 
darker images look kind of muted. Like maybe they're underdeveloped. It's just such a strange look. It almost looks kind of velvety. I don't know if that makes any sense. I'll have to post that, see what you guys think. I would say that it works pretty well. I probably will do some sort of what we're calling stand development again, or maybe just trying at a higher temp, but like not too high, maybe like an 85 degree. I definitely think that agitating probably would have helped with some of the the muted images that I got. So maybe just like agitating every three or four minutes, whatever Cinestill said on their packaging. I'd probably just do that. This was just that one minute agitation in the beginning and then it literally just sat there. So digging the results. I'll probably do this again. All right, well, back to you. Well, thank you, future Vanya. Okay, I'm ready to pull mine. This is stand developed Fuji 200. Uh -oh. um, I will say they look thinner than the normally developed ones. Okay. But I have, I do have images. I have images. So you seem a little hesitant, but I would really like to know how they came out. So let's check in with future Eric. Thank you, Past Vanya and Eric. I'm looking at the photos now, and before we recorded, I developed the same stuff as normal ECN2, the normal times and the normal temperatures. So I'm looking at them now side by side. I've got the stand developing on one side and the regular developing on the other. And I shot the same scene at various ISOs. I started at 25 ISO and I went all the way up to 1600. And I'm looking at it now and pretty consistently the, what we're calling stand developing is like two stops darker than the regular developer. Oddly enough, 25 ISO looks pretty good in stand. So I guess if you're really desperately need to do ECN2 stand developing, uh, maybe shoot it slower and you might get something. I've also noticed that the faster you go, like say you wanted to do uh, box speed was, uh, this was Fuji 200. So if you're shooting box speed and you, and you do the stand developing thing, lots of grain, lots of really ugly, chunky grain. And I don't mean like the cool grain. This is not fun, but I don't know. I guess my conclusion is kind of, I'm not really sure why you'd want to do this. I will never do this again, but if this is something you want to try, it is feasible, it's doable. I would maybe shoot it a little slower than you normally would. As far as color shifts, I don't see too much of a difference. There is maybe a bit more of a magenta cast to the stand developing. I think that has a lot to do with uh, the bottom layer of the emulsion not being able to develop as fully as the top layers. But your scanner is mostly gonna get rid of that anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. I do see a little bit of evidence of chemical surge where the sprocket holes are, but not too bad. Oh, and I guess that's it. So back to you, Vanya and Eric. Thank you, future Eric. That's all the podcasts we have today. That's right. So let's finish this off 
with some final thoughts. So, a little peek behind the curtain. We were recording this well after we recorded the first part. And this is sort of future, future Vanya and Eric. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Can you guys handle this? I don't know if time is linear anymore. So... Vanya, what do you think? Uh, as far as the stand development or well, time? Well, that's what we're... No, uh, stand development. We can, we can discuss the nature of time at another point. <laughs> we did ECN2 and C41. Yes. Yes, we did. What do you um, think of the two of those? Compare them. Well, I did see... Yeah, I did see your images. And yeah, yeah they're very grainy and interesting. I definitely want to say that the C41 might be a little bit better. I think it's a lot better. Yeah. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. I didn't invent ECN2, and I don't think I would use it for... I wouldn't... Okay, let's put it this way. I would not suggest using ECN2 for this. Yeah. Well, neither C41 nor ECN2 were made for this, but I think ECN2 is definitely not supposed to be used like this i just don't mm-hmm. think it looks good it's a personal opinion if you want to try it go for it but if you really want to try it try c41 right yeah i i like my results i think i have a mixed bag there's a lot of so many different colors the one interesting thing is like the muted images definitely maybe the underexposed or darker images came out so muted yeah so i guess like if you're looking for that kind of like that i don't know like digital photographers do that where they kind of like tone things down and make things kind of matted and muted and foggy almost you can produce that with a color stand development possibly so um it works it does work, but also one of the things that I experimented with was shooting various ISO. Yeah. And it surprises me how versatile... This was Fuji C200, and so this only applies to this emulsion. Mm-hmm. It surprises me how good it looks from 25 ISO, and the way it looks, potentially 12 and even 6. Which you didn't do, but you probably will now. <laughs> uh, all the way up to... 400 and there's a sharp drop off at 800 which is also surprising because that's only two stops pushed yeah but you can really pull uh, fuji c200 which i mean i don't know why you'd want to do that but you really can if you're itching to shoot fuji c200 at 25 iso you're gonna be okay Well, it was very bright and vibrant and punchy in the ECN2. I like the 50 ISO, I think, Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I think that was like a perfect amount because you did say it was like super bright and sunny. So maybe 50 would be good kind of just like on a regular day with a few scattered clouds. (laughs) I don't know what C... Excuse me. I had samosas and they're doubling back on me. I don't know what Fuji C200 is like as far as the... the, uh, tolerances go in c41 chemicals this is just ecn2 so if you really i mean i'm not not to uh not to plug my own ecn2 kits but plug 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 (laughs) but if you're looking to get into ecn2 i know a guy and there's a link in the show notes i sell them for what is it 18 dollars. i think it's a pretty good price for a liter's worth of developer and bleach you have to provide your own fixer yeah i mean honestly just to be able to 
do a 45 minute stand on color was fun and interesting. I mean, really, what else are we going to fucking do right now? <laughs> so <laughs> honestly, why not? Give it a shot. Literally, all you have to do is take your chemicals, maybe like give it a shake just in case, put it in a tank and set your timer for 45 minutes. Eh, See what you get. I think if we were to have agitated, I think they would have looked better. I think mine still would have been grainy, Mm -hmm. but I think it probably would have been a little more developed and maybe I wouldn't have lost the two stops. I probably wouldn't have such muted colors. I definitely feel like that's just like used or spent developer just stuck on the emulsion. If I had agitated, it probably would have developed a little bit better. So if you do this, actually, if you do any of this, get in contact with us. Let us know your results. Yeah, I would love to find out how if anybody does it a different way. But yeah, if you have experience with this, let us know. If we're doing something wrong, let us know. Yeah, send us an email or DM us at All Through a Lens. Yeah. However you want to do it. Write us a letter. We'll read it. (laughs) (laughs) We will. Okay. Well, I guess that's all for the show. So tune in in a week and we'll have our main show. And in a couple of weeks, we'll be back for another dev party. Woohoo. Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.